Advent is a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. It's preparation for the second coming while commemorating the first coming. Advent is a season of waiting, expecting, hoping. The season offers the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of Messiah and to be alert for his second coming. Christians prepare for celebrating the birth of Jesus by remembering the longing of the Jews for a Messiah. This morning we're going to light the first candle of five. And so I'd like you to stand with me and I'd like you to say with me uh, the first phrase of the lighting. Okay, together. We light this candle because like God's people centuries ago, we also look forward with hope to the coming of the Messiah. This candle reminds us of the seriousness of our hope. Jesus, as we light this candle, we hope for your coming as our Messiah. Please gather us in your arms. Feed us with spiritual food. Wipe away every tear from our eyes and let your face shine that we may be saved. Come, our Messiah. Amen. Please have a seat. Over the past, I think, three years, maybe four years, as we've come into this season, what I've, I've just kind of focused my attention on. I've, I'm, I've really been curious about, I know what my expectation, what my hope of the coming of Messiah would be, and, and, I, and I, I can easily take what my hope, my expectation is, and I can read that back into history, And so I can make Jews at the time of Jesus or even Jews in centuries before the birth of Jesus, I can make them have longings and expectations that they may not have had. And so I I don't want to do that. And this may be one thing, and maybe this isn't your world. Maybe it's like, oh, goodness gracious. Here we go again. But, for example... What we as believers in Jesus being the Messiah, what we believe prophetic fulfillment verses from the Old Testament, our our friends that don't believe that Jesus is that, they don't share those same verses. So really, out of sensitivity, it would be better for me if I'm going to talk to someone about Jesus that doesn't know Jesus and they're a Jewish background believer, it would be better for me to know what verses they believe from the Old Testament speak about the coming Messiah rather than trying to convince them of those verses that they've already been told don't refer to Messiah. Does that make sense? Like the suffering servant. I mean, I, as I go back and read that Isaiah 53, I mean, I see Jesus all over that, but not within Judaism. That's the community. That's the nation that's suffering. The, the nation is the suffering servant. They have a whole different interpretation of that. I need to respect that. <laughs> not try to convince them that Jesus is there. There's other places that I could go. So does that make sense? 
So I just, I really, I've really been on this quest. Uh, Susan keeps asking me, oh, what are you doing now? Well, I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm, to, to be real, I'm reading Jewish eschatology and I'm reading Jewish uh, mess, messianic belief. I'm just trying to dig in there. I'm trying to, to bring it. So I'm going to bring you some stuff and I'm bringing you just a little bit. And so I'm trying to summarize. Uh, I, I can't bring you everything, and it wouldn't be helpful to bring everything. But I also want you to know this. I'm learning, and so it's really fun. I mean, how many of us have ever learned without making a mistake? How, how many of us have learned without having later learned something else that kind of, oh, maybe that's an improvement over what I... Now, why don't, we let, why don't we let each other do that in the church? So, you know, maybe the things I'm learning this year won't be the same as next year. I think I found some things that are, are really helpful, I hope, and encouraging. But I may be, yeah, I may be off. I've got a friend uh, who is a Messianic believer, and I'm going to run, next time I say, I'm going to run, I'm going to ask him some questions. And he may, he may say, you are totally walking down the wrong trail and I'll say okay well point me in the right direction because I really think it's important okay now this is the best summary that I found uh, and you can find it if you want I'm putting the links there if you want to, to dig in but longings for the Messiah in the first century just as it would be incorrect to affirm that every first century Jew had a passionate expectation of a Messiah figure. Or the first century Jewish expectation was exclusively of a New Testament model God-man Messiah. So also, it is accordingly incorrect to say that the first century Jew had no expectation of a Messiah figure or the first century Jewish expectation was of a purely natural, human-only, regular political leader. Does that, does that make, in, in summary fashion, I, I think it is good for us to recognize that not every first century Jew had an expectation of Messiah, and I'll show you why that is so in a moment. But it's not that nobody did, <laughs> and it's going to be interesting to answer that question. So here's the affirmation. We can affirm that a messianic expectation broadly considered was present in the wide range of Jewish groups that produce literature throughout the time period. And that time period would be about probably four to five hundred years before the birth of Jesus. And that for some of them, their expectations for the deliverer who shall come forth from Jacob was intense, theologically charged, and surprisingly detailed. It was into this world of mixed hopes, preconceived categories, and pre-built eschatologies that Jesus of Nazareth proclaimed that the kingdom of God has drawn nigh. Throughout most of Jewish history, the Messiah, as this quote said, was the background, and the background, and then the forefront was Elijah. So most of Jewish history, 
the Messiah was not an essential part of the national hope. The expectation of a Messiah from the house of David was kept in the background. It was there, but it was not the most important thing in Jewish thought or theology. It's the prophet Elijah. He's the forerunner of the great day of the Lord who would reassemble all the tribes of Israel and he was the one that was placed in the foreground. Now that's going to make sense in a moment when we read about John the Baptist. Not until the fall of the Maccabean dynasty when the despotic government of Herod the Great who we recognize as somebody we read about in this Christmas story, and his family, and the increasing tyranny of the Roman Empire had made their condition even more unbearable did the Jews seek refuge in the hope of a personal Messiah. They yearned for the promised Redeemer, Deliverer of the house of David, who would free them from the yoke of the hated foreign usurper and would put an end to the impious Roman rule and would establish his own reign of peace and justice in its place. In this way, their hopes became gradually centered on the Messiah. So what is that, what's that saying is like maybe for the first like 200 years before the birth of Jesus, there began to be this growing desire for Messiah to come. And as the Roman Empire became more corrupt and corrupting of the Jewish dynasty, the Herodian dynasty, there was within mainly Pharisaism this growing longing. There's got the, the Messiah has got to come and, and in a sense he will deliver us from our corrupt politicians and he will establish his righteous rule. As evidence, now notice at the bottom, notice where I'm reading this from. I'm reading this out of the Jewish encyclopedia. Okay, so this is a Jewish source. As evidence that in the Roman period, the Messianic hope had become universal among the Jews may be adduced. So here's the defense. Number one, Jesus' conviction that he was the Messiah. Now think about that for a minute. Do you get it? We don't think he was the Messiah, but he thought he was the Messiah, and that's evidence, number one evidence, that there's this messianic hope alive at the first century. That's, it, doesn't that seem kind of nuts to you? A conviction inspired in him by the current belief in a Messiah, as is shown by the fact that on his entry into Jerusalem, the populace hailed him as such. What? what? The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on the donkey, people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of David. They thought he was the Messiah. And this is our number one evidence that there was this messianic hope. Now that, to me, that's not far from believing that maybe Jesus was the Messiah. Now the reason he's not accepted is because the, the Romans didn't disappear and the kingdom of God did not arrive at that moment in the way that they expected it to. Number two, the testimony of Josephus. Number three, Philo. The Psalms of Solomon which were called forth by the conquest of Jerusalem by Pompey, 63 B.C. Jesus is born around 4 B.C. 
He's designated as the son of David who will appear at a time known only to God. These psalms contain a more detailed description of his personality and of his reign than any other writing of that period. The Messiah will first crush the unjust rulers and rid Jerusalem of and destroy the impious heathen. Then he will gather the scattered ones of Israel, distribute them throughout the land according to their tribes, and found his own kingdom of peace and justice. No wicked person will be tolerated in his kingdom, nor will foreigners be allowed to dwell there. He will subject the heathen nations to his rule, glorify the Lord above the whole earth, and make Jerusalem pure and holy as of old, so that the nations will come from the ends of the earth to witness God's glory. So right before the birth of Jesus, there is this ratcheting up of this messianic hope. And notice where that hope is focused. It's focused on the rule of Messiah, a righteous government. Now, you could, we could read the Psalms of the Pharisees. I just put it up here. Not that you could read it at all, but there it is. And you could read through that, and it's, it's as if you would be like reading an Old Testament prophecy about the coming of the righteous king. So that brings us to maybe some more familiar ground. John 1, verse 19 to 26. Now this is John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? And John did not fail to confess, number one, I am not the Messiah. Why? Why was that even a question? Because there was a messianic hope. Because the religious leaders in Jerusalem were looking for a Messiah. And John the Baptist is giving some evidence of something different than what they've known. I'm not. So what's the second question they ask you? Ask him. Then, then who are you? Are you Elijah? If you're not Messiah, could you be Elijah? Again, connect that with what had been throughout the history of the Jewish nation. Elijah will introduce the great day of the Lord. I mean, these folks are caught up in what they believe will be the end scheme of the days. Messiah will come and the end of the days will come. He says, no. Well, are you, are you the prophet? The prediction throughout the Old Testament of the prophet, the priest, the king. Again, all these are connected with conversation, with theology, with people expecting God to intervene on their behalf. No. Well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What, What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Prepare the way of Messiah. Now the Pharisees had been sent, questioned him. Well, it, 
then why do, why do you baptize? If you're not the Messiah, you're not Elijah, and you're not the prophet. And John replied, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. The ideal king, the ideal Messiah, the one that the Jew was looking for in the first century is described this way. The ideal king to whom Isaiah looks forward will be a skion of the stock of Jesse on whom will rest the spirit of God as a spirit of wisdom, valor, and religion and who will rule in the fear of God his loins girt with righteousness and faithfulness. He will not engage in war or in the conquest of nations. The paraphernalia of war will be destroyed His sole concern will be to establish justice among his people. The fruit of his righteous government will be peace and order throughout the land. The lion will not tread the wolf, will not dread the wolf, nor will the leopard harm the kid. That is, as the following verse explains, tyranny and violence will no longer be practiced on God's holy mountain. For the land will be full of the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. The people will not aspire to political greatness, but will lead a pastoral life. Under such ideal conditions, the country will but, cannot but prosper, nor, nor need it fear attack from outside nations. The newly risen Skion of Jesse will stand forth as a beacon to other nations and they will call to him for guidance and arbitration. He will rightly be called wonderful counselor, godlike hero, constant father, prince of peace. That's the Jewish expectation. What's our expectation? What's our expectation? Not just of something that's fulfilled, the birth of Jesus. But what's our expectation of the future and the return of Jesus? And maybe even more important than that is what is our expectation right now? What's our expectation? What is our hope? What kind of hope comes from the birth of Jesus? What kind of hope comes from the return of Jesus? And then again, maybe even most importantly, is what kind of hope do we have today because of Jesus? And as I share this truth with you, what, what I know and what I share with you is there were people on this planet with a wonderful history of God. And in that history of God, they tolerated a lot of tyranny and injustice and unrighteousness. And when it got to a point of it's just too much, we're being taken advantage of, what God has given to us and hope for us, we're not realizing our land is overrun, it's being taken, we're oppressed. That's when they begin to cry out for Messiah, a just ruler. 
And their hope was that when he comes, he will do something about the present situation. And that will set us on course for a better future. As I've read these, I, I, just, I just come to this, man, our friends who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah from a Jewish background are so close because Jesus really is everything that they've longed for. It's just that God's timetable is different than what was predicted in Jewish eschatology. Sounds kind of like us. <laughs> we expect God to do something in our timetable and he doesn't. He's God. So what is your expectation? What is your hope? In the Messiah. In a just king. Now I ask that knowing that we live at a time where most of us are really disappointed in the government of our nation and the governments of the world. Would that cause us to hope more in political activism or hope more in a just rule through a just ruler? Would this maybe stoke in us the desire that Jesus would rule now, not just later? And that we could be the people that he rules in? And that we could, we could really reap the benefits of his righteous rule now, not just later. And through that begin to influence the realms of society that we're involved in. So that's what it really leads me to. It's back to just a, king, a kingdom time. A time of tasting in the powers of the age to come. A time of inviting each of us to bring our expectations, to bring our hopes into those domains of life where we find ourselves either passionately involved in or so irritated that we want it to change. And so what I want to invite us to do is I'd, I'd like to invite us to gather in small groups and, and, and according to what, what our passions or our irritation is. So we did this last week. And uh, again, you don't have to stay within the domain that you were. You may have a different domain today. But our society is made up of these domains. Food and water, agriculture and water, social and civil society, education, art and media, science and technology, governance, medical and economics. Now, one of those domains you are really passionate about you're involved in or you're just like it's what you're drawn to every time you read the news or hear the news you're just drawn to and you're just most irritated about that that would identify what your domain is and so what I want us to do is I want us to gather in eight little groups and I want us to do two things one I want us to invite the righteous king into our domain because that's what the righteous, the righteous king wants to come into the midst of, of our life and the way we're living our life. And he wants to bring his rule to each of these domains. And then the other thing I'd like you to do in those two groups is to announce hope. So that, that's what Messiah... 
That's what he brings into our lives. He brings hope. There's always the hope of his intervention to make things right. There's always the hope of him turning things around. And we are the bearers of that hope. And so we go into these domains influenced by who he is to be an influence. So as he influences with hope, we get to step into these domains and we get to announce hope. And then you can go from there and pray however he would direct you for each of those domains. Okay? So who, who is our, like our champion for food and water? Oh, Robert, he'll jump up, Robert. Okay, Robert, position yourself someplace in this room. He's the food and the water man. So if you want to join, if you're in that domain, you know that you're in that domain, go over with Robert, okay? Charge. Okay, who is our social and civil society champion? Okay, Katie, so position yourself somewhere. Okay, so somebody, if, if this is your domain, you're, you are a social and civil society domain person, please go gather with Katie. Education, if that is your domain, who's our champion for education? We have one, she's not here right now. Anybody else? Sylvia, you can be that one. Here she goes. She doesn't feel like a champion today, but... All right, so if you, want to, if you want to be in that domain, please gather with Sylvia. Art and media. Do we have a champion? Okay, Christy. Yeah. Find a place in the room. Just right there. I'm not, gonna, I'm not moving far. So if art and media is your domain, please gather with Christy. Science and technology. Whose domain is that? Who's the champion? Noel, you want to do that again? I did art and media last week, but I, I can do it. Yeah. I was feeling a little economical today. Okay. <laughs> All right, governance. Who's the champion for governance? Okay, Marianne, find a place in the room. Pick your, pick your spot. And if your domain is governance, this is the lady to go gather with. Medical? Okay, Susan, find your place. Okay. Okay, and then economics, that was Knowles, but we're going to give that to somebody else. Mikey, you'll go here. Okay, for the rest of us, pick a domain, go to that person, and let's spend our time in ending, in conclusion, two things. Messiah, you're welcome into this domain. And number two, we are going to announce hope into that domain. Okay, and that's how we'll end our time together. Thank you very much.